All right, we're going to read a little from the Bible this morning as we jump in and more as we go along. The first is from Proverbs 29. It's just one little verse, uh, really powerful though. Proverbs 29, 25. Look at this. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Let me read that again. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Rick Warren is the pastor at Saddleback Church, and he received a letter from one of his people, a young lady, and I want to read it to you. It's so powerful. Dear Pastor, there's one area in my life that I struggle with the most. That is the fear of disapproval. It really messes up my relationships, and it makes me miserable. To be honest, I am so afraid of being rejected that I let people walk all over me. It affects what I say, it affects what I wear, it even affects the food that I eat. I hate feeling this weak, but I don't know how to change. For all my life, I have worried about what other people think about me. Can you relate to this young lady? I can. When I was in grade school, the approval of my friends became the most important thing in my life. Now I'm in college, but I've never grown out of this fear of being rejected. I still live my life mainly based on the approval of others. I want so badly to be liked, to fit in, and to be accepted that I've done all kinds of dumb stuff that my friends and my boyfriends forced me to do. I really regret that. Most of the time, I know the right thing to do. I'm just too afraid to do it, worrying about what my friends will think. I'm tired of caring too much about what other people think of me. I'm tired of being manipulated and used, but in many ways, it's my fault. Sometimes I feel that I don't even know who I am. I'm just a collection of the expectations of others. Now, if that, if that gets you right here in the heart, that's supposed to, friends. Uh, I hope that you can relate to this and that resonates with you. Uh, we're continuing in our series called You Make Me Crazy, and today we're talking about our tendency to be people pleasers. So by show of hands, be honest this morning, how many of you tend to be people pleasers? Yes. Okay, good. Some honest people here this morning. Thank you. So my hand is up on this. Uh, this, is a, this sermon falls under the category of takes one to no one. Okay. So I have spent most of my life being a people pleaser. For a long time, I've been motivated by the approval of others. Now, here's the thing. I'm working on it, right? I'm, I'm getting over it. Little by little. And every year, I care a little bit less about what people think of me. <laughs> so that's, that's good. Now, you could dispute whether that's good or not, but I don't care. <laughs> so why is this so hard for us to get it right? It, this is hard, right? It, it's hard to get it right because there's, there's a balance in there somewhere, and we'll talk about that. I think one of the reasons it's so hard for us to get it right is we have believed a lie. And the lie is that boundaries are essentially selfish. That if I put boundaries around my life, if I decide what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do, uh, if, if I uh, put up these, these boundaries, then it means I'm only concerned about myself. It means I'm not a good Christian. And that is a lie that you and I have believed. Now, as with many lies, it, they, it's sort of rooted in the truth in sort of a, a weird way. And it takes the truth and it twists it and mixes it up. Because the truth is, we are supposed to be concerned about other people, aren't we? 
That's part of who we are as followers of Jesus. So look with me at what Jesus said about this, about the greatest commandments. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus said, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He said, the second commandment is like it. It is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the core of our faith is this idea that we would love God and we would love other people. So we're supposed to be concerned about other people. And yet, and yet what I've found is sometimes not only are we concerned about the well-being of other people, sometimes we get really concerned about the opinions of other people. And in particular, their opinions of us, right? So we, we need to get this right because Jesus isn't talking about pleasing other people. He's talking about loving other people. Can you hear the difference? Friends, we are called to be people lovers, but not necessarily people pleasers. Look with me again at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you are safe. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. One version of the Bible calls it a snare, a snare to be afraid of others' opinions. Another version of the Bible calls it a dangerous trap. Did you realize that? It is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. Because, this is why, because when we fear what others think, we become vulnerable to their control of our life. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but I wonder if you can think of an instance or a relationship in which it felt like someone else had at least partial control of your life because you were so concerned about what they thought of you. Maybe right now you feel like you're under someone else's control. This is a problem because we, we tend to be conflict avoiders, right? We, we want to please people and avoid conflict, and yet when we do that, when we do only what is socially acceptable or, or politically correct, we trade that for doing what is right and what is true, and we trade our integrity for popularity. That's not a good trade, is it? That's not a good trade at all. When we worry about disappointing people, when we worry about being rejected, we lose our identity. We come to realize, I don't even know who I am anymore. I think that's the story of the young lady in that letter that we read earlier, that she really didn't even know who she was because she was just a collection of, of the opinions and expectations of other people. So even if all of that just sounds crazy to you, at least I think we can agree on this. When we are too concerned about the opinions of others, it makes us miserable. Right? It may, we might not lose our identity, and you might not be that far gone down that road, but at the very least, you are miserable when you're too concerned about what other pink people think of you. Now, again, this is hard to get it right, okay? Because Proverbs 29 doesn't say, never be concerned about the opinions of others. It says, it is dangerous to be concerned about the opinion of others. So in certain situations, in certain relationships, we absolutely are concerned and should be concerned about the opinions of others. So, for example, the week before last, I was on a leadership development retreat in Greensboro, North Carolina, and one of the things that we did to learn how to be more effective clergy was a, three, a 360 survey where we got feedback from peers and from our boss and from our direct reports. And the idea was, tell me honestly, what do I do well, what do I need to work on so I can be a better pastor? And let me tell you, I was grateful for the feedback that I received. 
Because it's kind of like holding up a mirror and saying, Brad, here's who you are. The good, the bad, the ugly, it's, it's all right there. I care about what those people think. I need their help. I care about what my wife thinks about me. That's good, right? All the ladies, are you nodding? Yes? You want to have input into your husband's life and the husband's into your wife? Right. I care about what my kids think of me. I value their opinion. My friends, I care about what they think. So it is good and right and appropriate for us to care about what other people, certain people, certain situations, what they think, what their opinion is of us. In fact, we have a name for people who don't care anything at all about what others think of them. We call those people sociopaths, right? <laughs> so I'm not suggesting we want to go that far, but here's the deal. I don't think any of us in this room are really in danger of caring too little. If I had to guess, I would say more likely we're in danger of caring too much. We care too much about the opinions of others. Friends, God wants to put people in your life who will tell you the truth, um, but we cannot care too much about what they think, and it becomes a dangerous trap, a dangerous trap. So here's the question. How do we escape? How do we escape this dangerous trap? How do we get out of this cycle of caring too much about what other people think? Well, I want to share with you four biblical principles for escaping this dangerous trap of pleasing people, four ways to break free. So the way to, be, to begin breaking free actually begins here in your mind. It begins with a change of thinking. Romans 12, verse 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you've got to stop thinking the way you've always thought. You've got to start thinking the way God thinks. You've got to start seeing people the way God sees people. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first biblical principle for escaping the trap, and if you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, this would be a great thing to write down. Even God can't please everyone. Did you know that? Even God can't please everyone. Every weekend this fall on Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, there will be a group of people praying to God, God, please let my team win this football game. <laughs> and at the same exact time, there is another group of people over here praying, God, no, no, please let my team win the game. And you know what? One of those two groups is going to be disappointed, aren't they? And you're saying usually it's the Duke football fans who are <laughs> disappointed. We're going to do better this year. Right now, some people are praying for rain and some people are praying for sunshine. And I'm, I'm glad for the sunshine this morning. Amen? It's beautiful, right? But one group is going to be disappointed. Even God can't please everyone. My friends, only a fool would try to do what even God cannot do. Even God can't please everyone. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. In other words, when you think you're finally pleasing everyone, watch out. Woe to you. Be careful. Because it's just that time when you have probably compromised your integrity or your identity for the sake of pleasing the crowd. Because you'll never be able to do it. And you know and I know, when we get into following Jesus and all the places he leads us, we actually end up upsetting some people. Have you noticed that? When you tell the truth, it upsets people. When you, when you call for justice for the least, it upsets people. When you ask questions, how come all these people over here in our community are hungry and don't have enough to eat? You, you're stirring the pot, aren't you? You're not making people happy. You're making them unhappy in some cases. 
And so that is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is we're not going to be able to please everybody. Second biblical principle, I don't need the approval of others to be happy. Say this with me. I don't need the approval of others to be happy. Friends, this is true. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. It is up to you whether you are happy or not. It is up to you whether you let the opinions of others determine your happiness. You don't have to. You don't have to let them determine your happiness. That is up to you, and you do not need their approval to be happy. Now, I've learned this is especially true in leadership. When you get to be a leader, whether it's at home or at work or in church here or in school or wherever it is, pretty quickly after you become a leader, you realize there will always be someone or someones who are upset with you, the leader. Did you know that? No matter what decision you make, some people will be disappointed. No matter what action you take, some people will be hurt. Some people will come back, and they'll do that Monday morning quarterback, and they'll say, you know what you should have done? And they'll give you lots of good advice about how you did it wrong and how you could have done it better. Now, I've had to accept this as the pastor of a church, that no matter what I do, there will be some people who will not like it. And you know what I've realized? That's okay. It's okay, because you know why? I'm not here to please you. I'm here to love you. And there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, you can clap for that, Patty. All right. <laughs> there's a difference. I'm here to lead you in the ways that Jesus is calling you to go. So I'm not here to just make you feel good or make you happy or to try to make you think I'm great. No, it's not about this at all. It's about can I lead you in the way of Jesus Christ? And sometimes that means that you'll be upset with me, and that's okay. Remember, trying to please others is a trap, friends. Trying to please other people is a deadly, spiritually deadly trap. Some of the people in this room have spent a lifetime trying to please someone else, and you have realized that no matter what I do, it just doesn't seem to be working. And for a lot of you, I'm thinking of a parent, a mom or a dad in your life who have said awful things to you like, you know, you're just, you don't measure up, or how come you can't be more like your brother? How come you can't be more like your sister? And when you came home with B's on your report card, they said, how come these aren't A's? And when you came home with A's on your report card, they said, how come it's not an A plus? And no matter what you did, it was never good enough, and you have spent your lifetime trying to measure up. And you said to yourself, you know what, I'll show them, I'll win their approval, and it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. My friends, if that is your story, please hear me say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that another human being would treat you that way, especially someone like a parent who has the stewardship of your life in their care. And it is awful that we would treat that one another that way. But at the same time, let me say this to you. This is the truth. If you have not gotten that person's approval by now, you know what? You're never going to get it. You're never going to get it. Imagine the kind of freedom that would come in your life if you let go of trying to win that person's approval. Imagine the kind of freedom that you can have if you stop striving after something that is impossible and instead accept that you are God's child and that God loves you no matter what, no matter who else loves you or fails to love you. So I'm inviting you, stop trying. 
Stop trying to win that person's affection and love and let go and realize that this is not about you. This is not about you. This is not your fault. If that's your situation, that's on the other person. That's on them. They'll have to answer to God for that. But this is not about you. This is about them and their own shortcomings. And so the problem is theirs. So I'm inviting you to let it go and to believe this liberating truth that your happiness is not based on their approval. Friends, your happiness is not based on their approval. I'm going to invite you to learn the attitude of Jesus. When some religious leaders came to Jesus, they were criticizing him. And Jesus said to those religious leaders, your approval means nothing to me. Can you imagine having that kind of spirit-filled inner confidence to be able to say to another human being, you know, I love you, but your approval means nothing to me. Wow. Wouldn't that be so liberating? Wouldn't that just feel like the kind of freedom that would be incredible? It would change your life if you could have that kind of attitude that Jesus had about other people. My friends, Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from a lot of things. He wants to set you free from the bitterness of disappointment. He wants to set you free from the fear of death. He wants to set you free from the brokenness in your relationships. And you know what else? He wants to set you free from your drive and desire to win the approval of other people. We can be set free from that, you and me, and Jesus can do it. And the Bible says that if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Third biblical principle, one of the most important and powerful words that you and I need to learn how to say is no. Sometimes you and I need to be able to say no. And if we're honest this morning, sometimes we acknowledge that's hard. That's hard for us to say no because we like it when people like us, right? We want to be team players. We want to be helpful. We want to be kind. We want to be generous. And yet sometimes we need to say no. And there's a strong correlation between our willingness to say no and the health of our boundaries and our relationships. How many times have you felt manipulated or taken advantage of because Someone asked you for something, and you wanted to say no, but you said yes. And you are resentful and bitter, and you're mad at yourself, and you're mad at that person because we're not willing to say no. Can I tell you something, friends? Even Jesus said no sometimes. Did you know that? Imagine for a second all of the people who Jesus never healed. Imagine all the villages that Jesus walked right past without stopping in to check on every house. Imagine all the sermons that Jesus never preached in his three years of ministry on this earth. Jesus said no sometimes in some situations to some people. And the reason he said no to some things was so that he could say yes to the right thing. My friends, you and I have got to get this right. If we are going to be healthy in our relationships and our walk with Christ, we need to be willing to say no to some things so that we can say yes to the right thing. Because if you're like me, you've tried saying yes to everything already, and you realize how much of a mess it makes out of your life. And you realize that saying yes to everything is essentially saying yes to nothing because there's no way I can give myself to all of these things. And so there is a call from God, and it is for the one thing or the few right things. I need to be willing to say no to everything else so that I can say yes 
to the one thing. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said a word of teaching about this. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more comes from the evil one. That's pretty strong language, Jesus. This is serious. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, when we say yes, it might make us better people pleasers. It might make us better at avoiding conflict. But when we say yes all the time, it certainly doesn't make us better husbands and wives and parents and children. And it definitely doesn't make us better disciples because sometimes disciples have to say no. Last biblical principle. I only have to please one person. Say that with me. I only have to please one person. And you know who that is? God. It's God. It's not me and it's not you. It is God. Friends, your life will be transformed when you learn to live for an audience of one. When you learn to live for an audience of one, it will change your life, I promise. Now, this is one of the reasons I think worship is so important, because this is where we come to practice that and to get that right. And, and this is a confusing, and you could be forgiven if you misunderstood it, because when you come in this room, it kind of feels like, like the theater, right? And so you, it look, seems like you might be the audience, and here I am, the performer, and at the end, you say, ah, oh, well done, Pastor Brad. You give me a little golf clap, because I gave such a good performance. And it, you might, you, you could be forgiven if, you're th- if you think you're the audience. Friends, you're not the audience in worship. You are the performer. I am the performer. And who is the audience? God is the audience of our worship. God is here to receive the gifts that we bring. So we bring financial gifts. We bring prayer. We bring music. You bring your heart, right? That's what worship is. And so when you learn to live your life that way, it will transform you because then you become less and less concerned about the opinion of the person sitting next to you and more concerned about the opinion of the one who really matters. This is true, friends. The bigger God becomes in your life, the smaller the crazy makers become in your life. Did you know that? The bigger God is for you, the smaller those crazy makers are. The bigger God is for you, the less likely you are to try to win the affection and love of other people. Look at what Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 1, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You know, on my computer, on on my desktop screen, I've got a, a Word document. And it's just one sentence, one little line. It's a simple prayer. So I open up that Word document every once in a while, and I I say it over and over again because I need to be reminded. And it says, God, help me to be more afraid of you than I am of people. Help me to be more afraid of you than I am of people. Now, I don't mean afraid like cowering in the corner scared that God's going to strike us down. God's not going to hurt you. But fear in the sense of awe. Fear in the sense of reverence, that you and I would acknowledge the might and the power of Almighty God and say, you know what, I care way more about what God thinks than about what people think when it comes to my life. Friends, this matters. This matters. This is not just a a, a psychological talk today. This is a message from the scripture, and and this matters because one day you and I will have to give an account for our lives. 
One day you and I will stand before God and we will have to explain and give an account for what we did with the life that we have been given. And when you grasp that, that changes you. That changes you. It changes what you say. It changes what you do. It changes who you try to impress in your life. And when you stand before God, God is not going to say to you, how come you couldn't be more like your brother? God's not going to say, you know, you really should have been more like your sister. God's not going to say that. God's going to say, did you become the best version of you who I created you to be? God's going to say, did you use all the gifts I gave you to the best of your ability? And not only for yourself, but to bless other people. God's going to say, did you fulfill your vocation, your calling as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because that's who I created you uniquely to be. Did you become that person that I wanted you to be? That's what God is going to ask. And I hope we can say yes on that day. I hope that you and I will live in such a way between now and then that we can live in the freedom that only Jesus offers. Let me remind you of these four principles one more time. If you practice these, if you learn these, if you make them part of your heart and part of your life, friends, this will make a difference, I promise. Remember, even God can't please everyone. I don't need the approval of others to be happy. Sometimes I need to say no. And finally, I only have to please one person. Friends, there is one, only one, in the whole universe, who knows you completely inside and out, who loves and accepts you unconditionally, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you would live your life to please him.